Getting a good night's sleep can be much easier said than done, but don't worry, because our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to help you unwind and sleep harder than all-star voters slept on Bam Adebayo. Sleep PM bath salts fuse superior CBD and melatonin with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience and give you the relaxation you desperately deserve. And to make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off on your next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that is CBDMD.com, promo code MBA, for 25% off your purchase of Superior CBD products from CBDMD. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 951 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. And today's show is sponsored by Locker Room, the live audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to athletes, insiders, and other fans in real time, getting in on the conversation that can let you listen to every single day. And download the Locker Room app free in the iOS app store. Create your profile, link your Twitter, and start engaging with the community today. Obviously, the headliner of the evening is the Hawks getting a sixth consecutive win. And their long swing streak in quite some time. And now they're 500. The Hawks are 20 and 20, which is about where they're supposed to be at this point in time. If you remember back to the preseason, most people had the Hawks somewhere around 500. I had them a little bit above 500. I know some most fans did probably, but this is kind of where they're supposed to be. And given where all the injuries they've had, that's pretty impressive. Uh, so that's that's the broad strokes here. It's a positive evening. The Hawks didn't play all that well tonight other than the hot shooting that they had, but they didn't have to. And sometimes you just got to get a win and put it away. So they had, the, they had sort of a mid-game swoon on this night, gave away a pretty large lead. It got all the way back down to a tie game, but from that point forward, it was all Hawks in the fourth quarter and a nice way to finish out the one-game road trip and they returned to Atlanta after this. So as we always do, we'll dive into the game here. We'll start with the pregame aspect the Hawks were actually shorthanded again in this spot. Obviously, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and, Cam- and Chris Dunn are still out. But Atlanta also had l- two late scratches in Clint Capella and Onyeka Kongwu. Once again, they were listed as questionable. It would have been Clint Capella's first game back in Houston. He was there, um, but did not play. And uh, they were actually game time decisions. Uh, they were actually not ruled out until about a half hour, maybe an hour before before tip-off. So that's probably positive in the grand scheme that they were at least close enough to play where it's not going to be necessarily a long-term lingering injury for either one of these guys. But we'll see if they're available on Thursday. And as a result of those absences, the Hawks have the same available roster as they did on Sunday. They did play a little bit shorthanded in terms of the rotation. On Sunday, they played 10 guys. On this night, they played 9 guys, even against a... Um, Houston team that was uh, very, very, very shorthanded. In fact, the Rockets were without John Wall and Christian Wood and Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, and many others. They only had eight guys active for this game. And quite frankly, I know who all these guys are, but a lot of fans I heard from during the game, and this is not me making fun of people because this is absolutely like a normal thing to have happen. There were multiple guys on the floor for the Rockets that are not household names. Uh, This is a Basically, the team the Hawks played tonight in Houston was essentially a G League team, except for with Victor Oladipo and Kevin Porter Jr. on it. Because, obviously, KPJ is a lottery-level talent. He's had some interesting stuff in his early part of his career, but a very talented player. Oladipo, a former All-Star. But the other six guys... Uh, you know, Jayshon Tate is a pre-NBA player at this point in time. He's pretty established from the season. But um, they were not a quality NBA roster. 
available in this game. So it would have been a bad loss if the Hawks had blown this lead and actually lost the game at the end of the game. But, you know, the Rockets have now lost 17 games in a row. That kind of tells the story. Obviously, they're better than that at full strength. They haven't won in, you know, about a month and a half. So the Hawks were favored by nine coming into the game, according to our friends at BattleOnline.ag. And that tells you also because without Capella, without Hunter, without Reddish, to be favored by nine on the road is pretty crazy. In fact, the Hawks have not been a, a, this big of a road favorite in the betting market since March of 2016. That's a long time. And this is the second largest spread of the season anywhere for Atlanta. They were actually 10 and a half point favorites at home in the third game of the year against Detroit. So, yeah, you're supposed to win this game. The Hawks ended up covering, which is kind of a miracle given the way they blew the, they blew the lead in the fourth quarter. But uh, that tells you, coming in, this is a game the Hawks needed to win, and they did. So, at the outset... Uh, the Hawks actually dug a 9-4 hole coming out of the gate here. Uh, they, they did sort of wake up from there. Trey Young got going, had six points quickly in a row, and Houston was committing fouls pretty rapidly in the first few minutes. The bigger, th- you know, the bigger theme, in addition to Houston's just lack of talent overall in this game, is their lack of size. They only had one big available. It was Justin Patton, who is a former first-round pick, but has been kind of in and out of the league, bunch of injury stuff. He played 18 minutes. They basically played without a center for most of the night. And the Hawks had a big size advantage. Like you saw that throughout the game with Collins. You saw that throughout the game with Gallinari just shooting over guys like like, like they weren't even standing there. And that was definitely uh, the case early on. The Hawks had a 7-0 run, take the lead finally um, after five straight from from Kevin Herter and then a nice lob from Young to Collins. A normal rotation for Atlanta in this game as well. The one change from Sunday being that they gave basically all the backup center minutes to Nathan Knight in this game, which is definitely fine. I mean, Knight was really good on Sunday. He was really good again in this, in this game, so no Bruno Fernando at all in this spot. A mild surprise there, in my opinion, but not a huge one because Knight is obviously playing quite well. Um, Trey Young had a bunch of assists in the early going. Defensively, the Hawks were much, much better early, and then they were um, in the middle, and then they were better late as well. But the Hawks had a 20-5 to extended run to kind of take, take control in the first quarter. They led by as many as 13 at the end of the period. They shot 72% in the first quarter of this game. Still had some turnovers, but uh, scored at will, basically, setting the tone. And part of that was Gallinari, who had 12 points on six shooting possessions in the first quarter, his highest-scoring quarter of the season. And the Rockets uh, were okay offensively, actually, just had some turnovers and could not get stops. Uh, from there, Atlanta turned it up even more with a 13-3 to overall run to open the second quarter. And that gave the Hawks a 48-25 to lead. At that point, the jokes are flying, and I totally understand because, you know, Houston, being as overmatched as they were, it felt like it was over at that point. It obviously wasn't because they made a nice comeback, and credit to the Rockets for playing really hard in this game uh, and coming all the way back. But the Hawks were almost doubling them up. It felt like it was really uh, sort of about to tip over. Gallinari had 17 points in about, you know, 10 minutes or so at the outset, uh, shooting over the Rockets' small guys. It was a 36-10 overall run for Atlanta. Nathan Knight played well in his first couple of stints. Um, But the Rockets did kind of wake up from there. They had an 11-1 run of their own. The Hawks did kind of have to push it back a little bit. But even then, Atlanta led by 23 points with about two minutes to go in the first half. And then the Rockets made their first salvo with an 8-0 run to close the half. And, you know, up 15 at the break, you're feeling good about that if you're the Hawks. But it could have been much worse. It could have been over, and then it kind of wasn't. But the Hawks were really, it it should be not be overstated, they were awesome offensively in the first quarter. Part of that's Houston's defense, but part of that's the Hawks just shot the heck out of the ball. They shot 63% from the floor in the first in the first half, 44% from three, and 93% from the free throw line. Just a blistering offensive performance before halftime. About 1.5 points per possession, which is uber elite, obviously. They had, they had 19 assists 
in the first half. That's a ton. Defensively, it was a little bit worse in the second quarter. They actually gave up 36 points in the second to kind of give up some of that lead. But Gallinari had 20 in the half. That was his uh, second time this season with 20 points or more in the first half. Trey Young had a double-double in the first half. He had 10 assists in 17 minutes. Collins had four blocks at halftime. Nathan Knight had 10 points. So obviously riding high here. Uh, sort of a bit of foreshadowing that the Hawks were giving up the lead. But, you know, for the first 22 minutes, it was totally dominant at, in the way that it should have been for Atlanta. We'll touch on all of what happened in the second half and more in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, and the first of which is Locker Room. Locker Room is the live audio-only sports talk platform that you need to check out today. It's free to download, and it's also free to use. You can talk to other fans, talk to athletes, talk to insiders, newsbreakers, all of that in real time. It's perfect for watch parties. You can have debates on there, post-game breakdowns, reacting to big news, and uh, all kinds of sports topics. And also, it's just fantastic to engage with the community, sort of build that community, be able to engage yourself, not just be, not, not just be a passive listener, all kinds of interesting sports discussions, including on the Atlanta Hawks. And all you have to do to download is, again, check out the iOS App Store, and it's the Locker Room app. It's free. It's easy to use. You can create your profile, link your Twitter, and join any kind of group right away. You can follow the Locked On Podcast Network. We are all over the place with some of our shows, checking it out, and many more to come in the coming days. So come with your spiciest takes and check out the Locker Room app. It is free to download at the iOS App Store, the Locker Room app, the live audio-only sports talk platform. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making ways of bringing more confidence to the bedroom, and it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so there's no visit to doctor's office of any kind, no awkward conversations, no waiting line in the pharmacy, and ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll get your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. If you don't like swallowing pills, there's no problem here. Blue Chew's sildenafil and tadalafil are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are also made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So, if you can benefit from all of the extra comments that it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And, on top of that, we have a special deal for our listeners. You can try BlueChew for free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay the $5 in shipping. That is BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free, and we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Alright, and we'll dive in now to the second half of the game. And it was very weird. You can kind of see it. You know, broadly speaking, I like to give some nuance on this podcast, but if you look at the box score, just look at the third quarter score and the fourth quarter score tells the story on some level. In the third quarter, it was 34-20 in favor of Houston. In the fourth quarter, it was 26-15 in favor of Atlanta. So that kind of tells you what happened in some small way. The Hawks failed to score in the third quarter and couldn't get stops. Uh, Nate McMillan after the game talking about how their defense let them down in the second and third quarters. That is definitely the case. But they also couldn't score on a high level. That was the one time in this game they didn't make shots, and that burned them. In the fourth quarter, Houston ran out of gas on some level. You know, they were making a bunch of tough shots. You know, credit to them for making a bunch of tough shots. But they were uh, not necessarily sustainable in the way they were making shots. In the fourth, the wheels came off. They got tired. They were shorthanded. That matters. And the Hawks did also play better defense. No question. And then they made a bunch of shots down the stretch. Tony Snell was red hot. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, but that was kind of the story um, in short with those, uh, the, with, the, with, those, with those two scores in the third and fourth quarters. But in the third, they actually had a great possession coming out of the locker room with some awesome ball movement. Ended up with a John Collins three to go up by 18. And uh, yeah, it felt good again. 
But from there, 8-0 run by Houston. There were some defensive breakdowns from Atlanta, including the last one that was a wide-open duck in, in, uh, in a half-court, basically, setting, which the Hawks kind of broke down. McMillan called a timeout at that point, kind of an auto-timeout after a couple of pretty shaky possessions. You know, there was some stabilizing from there about with, with Snell and Gallinari hitting threes, but they couldn't get stops. And then John Collins got his fourth foul with about 7.38 left in the third. It was a pretty bad call as well. I thought probably the foul should have been caught on Gallinari and not Collins, but that was a pretty big one because Collins then sat for like nine minutes. And, you know, the plus minus at that point wasn't like too kind to Collins. And even for the game, he was only plus one in a 12-point win. But that's a, it's a big loss. In, in this game, especially without Capella, not having Collins for that period of time definitely hurt them. Uh, in the first half, they were better without Collins actually on the court. They made, the, they, made, they made their one biggest run with Nathan Knight on, on the floor instead of him. But you saw Collins' value in the fourth quarter especially, and that was a big loss for them at the end of the third. But Old Depot got hot for the Rockets. He was really good in this game after not, kind of not being very good this year offensively. He was really hot at, at different times. And he chipped away with some buckets, uh, getting the Rockets back within seven with about, four, with about 4.30 to go. In fact, Atlanta gave up 50, 56 points to the Rockets in about 20 minutes. Uh, that's not ideal. And they clearly let up. I mean, that's something I, I guess I'll say it now before I forget to say it. The Hawks let up, I felt like, in this game. I'm sure McMillan agreed. There was some, you know, they got, they got a win and they were definitely positive after the game, but not necessarily overwhelmed with their positivity <laughs> because I think they kind of knew that, that they let their guard down a little bit in the middle of this game and the Rockets uh, took advantage of it. But to only be up by one. So that, after all that, the Hawks lead by 23 points with two minutes left in the first half and they're up one at the end of the third. So it was a 42-20 to 20 run by Houston over about a 14-minute span. And Houston was hot. The Hawks shot 7-22 from the floor and had four turnovers in the third quarter. So they definitely had a bit of a lull. And honestly, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but the Hawks have had a few of these in this run. Obviously, the Hawks have won six games in a row. That's what really matters at the end of the day. But they've had, you know, in most of these games, if not all of them, they've had at least one, like, quarter, maybe even half long, where they've just kind of been really out of it. The most famous one was against Toronto when they kind of got blitzed by like 35 points in two quarters. But they've had a few of these. Obviously, you know, under under the Pierce regime and early in the season, they were kind of having those in the fourth quarter at the worst possible time. Now they've been happening in the middle of the game, which is better than the fourth quarter because then you have an opportunity to recover. But uh, it's concerning. I, I, the Hawks are not consistent necessarily right now. The wins are coming, so nobody cares at the moment. But it's something to just keep an eye on. The Hawks are going to have to clean that up a little bit as the competition level gets more in the coming days. At any rate, uh, the fourth quarter was quite obviously better, but it didn't happen right away. They brought they brought Collins back in. That was a big thing, as I mentioned before. Um, the Hawks, after the Rockets tied the game at 97-97, the Hawks did rebound with four straight points. Um, Trey actually sat a long time for a long time as well, given how it was not going very well without him on the floor. But Houston had the ball had the ball down by two and shot a pretty deep three from Old Depot. It was in the air. He missed it. And that was their last chance, really, to take the lead or even tie the game. Because Herter hit a three on the other end of the floor. That was a big shot after that. And then after a timeout, Snell hit a big three in the right corner to give them a six-point lead. They got a stop. And then Gallo had a layup to go up by eight. So that was kind of the biggest swing of the game, honestly, because they went from could have been down one to up eight in about three possessions. That's a big swing. A couple of huge shots there from Herter and Snell. And by the way, Houston scored nine points in the first nine and a half minutes of the fourth quarter, which is, that's how you lose a game if you're the Rockets. Um, honestly, the offense on both sides was pretty ugly in that little middle run of the fourth quarter. But then Snell kind of, what I thought was the dagger shot was from Snell with 234 to go. He had a three, continuing to just be 
absolutely unconscious from three-point range. It was an 11-2 extended run by Atlanta to put the game away. Um, they did have a kind of uh, a turnover that was <laughs> led to a layup, and Houston had some maybe faint hope at that point in time, but then they had Collins scored right after that. They got one more stop, and that was kind of the end. But I think the dagger really was that Tony Snell three with 234 to go. So, you know, obviously the top line is that they won six in a row and they're back to 500. That's all very positive. We'll go through some of the big picture takeaways from the actual way they played in this particular game. Um, the Hawks shot the ball incredibly well in this spot. They were 44 of 86, which is 50, 51% from the floor. They were 17 of 37 from three, which is 46% on big volume. They got to the line 14 of 16, which isn't like a huge number for the Hawks, but they, they were accurate and took more than the Rockets did. So as a team, they had a 64% true shooting, which is obviously pretty elite, and only 12, only 12 turnovers. So offensively, the Hawks scored 1.27 points per, per possession in this game, which is more than enough. That's elite level. So... Part of that's Houston's defense, but the Hawks did play very well on offense. And this is a pretty telling stat, I think, from Hawks PR that they uh, released after the game. The Hawks are now 17-1 and this season when they shoot a better percentage from the floor than their opponent. And I know I do this sometimes, but it really is sometimes make-or-miss league stuff. There's uh, the team that makes four shots usually wins in the NBA. And it's, I know it seems very, very simplistic because it is, but it's a good reminder. The Hawks have 20 wins this season. 17 of them, and they are 17-1 and one when they outshoot their opponent. That tells a pretty interesting story, including in this game. And they're also 9-1 and one this year when they make 15 threes or more. So part of that in this game as well is that the Hawks just made a bunch of threes. They made 17 threes. That's very helpful. It was spread out. Um, you know, It wasn't like one guy went crazy. They had two guys, Snell and Gallinari, hit five each. Herter hit three. And then uh, one each for Knight, Bogdanovich, Trey Young, and John Collins. So nice balance there. But offensively, nothing to complain about. There was the lull that happened in that third quarter. But other than that, the overall performance offensively was quite good. Defensively, not as much. They allowed about 1.15 points per possession to this Rockets team. And I will say, Houston, in their current form, is definitely better on offense, you would imagine, than defense with the way that they were playing in this game. They were playing so small. They didn't really have a lot of rim protection out there. Uh, Old Depot is definitely, uh, you know, he's the way that he played in this game, is a big weapon. He's not been great this year, but he shot the ball really, really well in this game. Um, Porter Jr. is really talented as an offensive player. We'll see. I mean, they were able to score on this defense, which is uh, nice to see, but Houston made a bunch of shots too. I mean, again, I think I mentioned once before on the podcast, but they made some contested shots that they probably won't always make, which skews us a little bit here. But the Rockets in those middle two quarters when they made their big push, they shot 54% from the floor and 10 of 17 from three in the second and third quarters. And then in the fourth, they the wheels came off. In the first, they weren't very good either. So, the overall defensive performance was not particularly good, but when it mattered, coming out of the gate, they were really good. And in the fourth quarter, when especially when Collins came back in, I think I want to circle that again. Collins had a couple of offensive rebounds that were big, and defensively, he really kind of anchored them, I thought, at times in the fourth quarter. So some positives to take away from that. Um, but overall, you know, the numbers are what they are. The Hawks won this game by 12 you can kind of argue both sides as to whether that was indicative of the way that things went. They could have won by 30 if they had played the way they did in the first quarter. And they also, this game was tied with like five minutes to go. So winning by 12 is maybe more comfortable than it actually seemed in the moment. Oh, last thing on the team-wide numbers, the Hawks got outscored in the paint by 10 in this game. That is not good against this Rockets team that is so small, especially. And that's been a theme under McMillan in this run is that the Hawks have, have been less reliant on the paint or less focused on the paint which, you know, that gives you more variance. And if you shoot the ball the way the Hawks have in this run, it doesn't matter because if you make threes, you make jumpers, it looks fine. 
But if that dries up a little bit, it might be something to be a little bit concerned about because if you came into this game, saw the rosters, you would not have thought that points in the paint were going to go to Houston. Granted, Capella being out does level down a little bit, but uh, just something to circle moving forward. Okay, before we get to the individual breakdowns and much, much more on the podcast, that we're from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Built Bar. It is Built Bar Madness here in the month of March, and for a long time I've been telling you about the best tasting protein bar on the market and quite honestly, the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar is low calorie, it's low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and it tastes absolutely fantastic. It also has 100% chocolate on all of the bars. And now it is time to find out which Built Bar is the absolute best because Built Bar Madness allows you to vote on some of the action. The entire bracket is available at builtbar.com or check out the page on Twitter at built underscore bar. And there's all, all kinds of matchups to vote on. Right now, we're in the middle of the sweetest 16, which pits the 16 best flavors against one another. There are still several to vote on in the coming days, including Caramel Brownie against Double Chocolate. Coconut Brownie Chunk is going up against Lemon Almond Cheesecake, one of my favorites. Also, WC Birthday Cake against Coconut, and many, many more. So the best place to do that is to check out BuiltBar.com. Vote for your favorites. Make sure that your best options get further in the bracket as a result. And also, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order with Built Bar. That is LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar in the business. One last time, that is promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is still the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And here in March, football is behind us. But the NBA, the NHL, and of course, it is the time of year for college basketball. All those sports and many more are in full swing. That also includes sports like tennis and golf and auto racing. And anywhere you turn, you can find a sport to check out at BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards. They have have TV shows. They have reality TV betting. They have entertainment betting. They also have the real-time updated odds and props on almost anything anything that you can imagine. So plenty of options to dig into. Even if you don't love um, wagering on full games, the options are endless at BetOnline. They also have you covered for all the news and the scores and the odds to kind of inform your viewing. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. One more time, that is 50% extra cash for you on your first deposit. If you use the promo code Locked On, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll finish up the show with a look at the individual players, as we do often on the podcast. Uh, the bench was good in this game. Uh, at least the results were when they were on the floor. Again, as I said earlier, they only had four guys that played off the bench, so a nine-man rotation. That means no Fernando, no Goodwin, and no Maze in this game. Um, it's by the way, I got, I got a question about this earlier today. Uh, I have no issue with them not playing Maze. I think he obviously was playing well and has an interesting future. But with Bogdanovich back, I just kind of knew that was going to happen for the most part. So that hasn't been too surprising to me. You could argue that maybe he deserves some more time, but uh, I'm not bothered by it just yet. And we'll see if that changes in the future. Um, at any rate, uh, Solomon Hill. And again, it's like the third game in a row this has happened for Solomon Hill where he's not scored. He was 0-2 from the floor, had five rebounds, had a steal, was plus 14, and just did Solomon Hill stuff. You know, even as a unabashed role player enthusiast, Hill's got to score at some point. Uh, it's interesting to me, like, I think he's probably going to not play as much. 
if they have everybody back. That's a, that's a big question. Like I've been asked a bunch of times, and we'll do that for a mailbag at some point. But kind of what happens when everybody's back? And I think one of the casualties in terms of rotation would be, especially when Hunter returns, you might see less of Solomon Hill because at the beginning of the year he was playing backup four because Gallinari was out. And then once they had all the wing injuries, he's been playing a lot of three. And if you have Hunter um, to go along with Gallinari and Collins and all your wing options, you might see less of Solomon Hill. But regardless, he did his job in this game. Wasn't spectacular, but was fine. Rajon Rondo, a couple of nice moments. He had six assists, a couple of really good Rondo passes, a couple of maddening moments too. Had three turnovers and a couple of uh, sort of head scratchers. But I think overall, he's playing much better in the recent past. And I want to be uh, conscious of saying that out loud because he has been helpful in the most for the most part. Four points in 16 minutes. Bogdanovich was quiet in this game, but was fine. Had seven points, was plus 11, two assists, two rebounds. Uh, took eight shots, three of eight, one of four from three. Like, not a awesome, like, shooting game, but not a terrible one. And I thought he was, uh, he did his job, but they just kind of rolled with Snell late, and Snell was really good, so no issues there. And then Nathan Knight, again, two games in a row, 15 points off the bench 22 in 22 minutes. Six of nine from the, from the field, one of one from three, two of two from the free throw line. Um... You might remember from Sunday, he got to the line a bunch, and that kind of was more he got most of his points. In this game, he got he he just finished well around the rim and hit the one uh, hit the one three as well. You know, he's not going to shoot seventy percent from the floor all the time, but I think Nathan Knight is definitely flashing considerably. Um, I know a friend of the podcast, Tower Jones, who's on, who's on the show actually on our last episode, uh, mentioned this on Twitter to myself and Wes Morton, who is a um, Nathan Knight enthusiast. But it does seem like Nathan Knight is in great shape right now and is much, much more explosive than I thought he was going to be. I think he's a little bit trimmer than he was in college. This is a four-year college guy. I, I mean, guys like that who have what who have the explosiveness that he's been showing do not usually have to stay four years in a mid-major. So I'm not sure what happened there, but uh, Knight is playing very well. Uh, we'll see if he just earns playing time. Uh, I, I'm skeptical on some level that if everybody's healthy, he's going to be playing. But if he's playing like this... It'll be hard to keep him off the floor. So uh, that's not that's not a bad problem to have. Uh, good depth is good depth, and he played great again in this game. To the starters, uh, Snell and Herter did Snell and Herter stuff. Tony Snell, 5 of 7 from the floor, 5 of 7 from 3. Tony Snell does not miss shots. He had a couple of huge fourth-quarter four threes, including the dagger. 15 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. Was really good. Defensively, um, was fine as well. Like, did his job as he usually does. Kevin Herter. Another solid night for him. 16 points, 3 assists, 3 steals, 5 rebounds. Had a couple of interesting non-finishes around the rim. But even then, was 3 of 5 on 2s. That's totally fine. 3 of 8 on 3s. Totally fine. Um, a good game, I think, again, from Herter. I think he's playing very well in the recent past. Kind of a quiet scoring game for Trey Young, who only had 13 points on uh, 15... No, sorry, 16, shot, 16 shooting possessions. So pretty inefficient as a scorer. In this game, because he was 3 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3, but got the line 7 times and had 14 assists, including 10 in the first half. His passing was really impressive, and I thought when he came back in, in the fourth quarter, after he was pretty bad in the third, honestly, uh, at least by his standards, in the fourth, when he came back in, he was very much under control, made the right plays, shades of the other night as well, and I think he's been doing that. Like Not, not a lot of like pressing from Trey. That's kind of been a team-wide thing under McMillan during this run, is that the Hawks have been under control at big spots, and playing kind of carefree in a good way, not being tight as we discussed a little bit with Tyler yesterday on the podcast. But um, I think Young was uh, sort of the embodiment of that in this game. And the 14 assists speak for themselves. Um, and then Collins and Gallinari were the two leading scorers in this spot. Gallinari had 29 points, including 20 in the first half. He wasn't as much of a threat after halftime, but was still totally fine. And uh, 10 of 14 from the floor, 5 of 8 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds. He's just shooting the ball incredibly well right now. And this game was a perfect storm for Gallinari. Obviously, he's not the greatest athlete in the world, 
But if you're going to guard him with a guy who's 6'5", uh, you, you just have no chance. He's going to shoot over you, and there were mo- there were multiple times in this game where it looked like he was shooting against a chair. Um, that's maybe an overstatement on some level, but they were not bothering him at all. And if that happens, he's in a groove. You're not going to stop him. Uh, and then Collins ends up with 20 and 10 in this spot. Four blocks in the first half. Uh, had a steal, had an assist. 9 of 17 from the floor, 1 of 3 from 3. Um, he's been a little bit shaky with his jump shot in recent days. Nothing to panic about, just a little bit of a small sample size uh, weirdness that you would hope for Collins. But I, I, don't, I don't think he played incredibly well in the game, but he had the fourth foul that was, again, kind of a bad call. And then he came in, and I thought he was really, really good in the fourth quarter. Not always like with huge stat stuff or scoring stuff. He, he definitely had some buckets, but defensively, anchoring things, a couple of big offensive rebounds to continue possessions, and I thought he played very well. So... On the whole, a nice win for the Hawks, six in a row. The schedule does get more difficult from here. And as I said a little bit yesterday, or maybe even two days ago on the show now, at this point in time, this schedule, if you want to parse it, has been uh, it's been very soft. Uh, every single game has either been against a team that is very bad or a good team that is was battered by injuries. And that, that goes for Miami without Butler and Toronto without all their guys. So you could say that. At the same time, this Hawks team from earlier in the season does not win all these games, even against bad teams. So there's a little bit of both sides on that one, but uh, the Hawks are winning the games, which is what matters, and now they're 20-20 on the season. So 500, after the way things were going uh, before the All-Star break, feels great as mid-March approaches. Um, before we get out of here on this fine evening, a couple of injury updates from Travis Schlenk and one from the team itself. Schlenk did some radio on Tuesday morning and said DeAndre Hunter could play as early as Thursday. That was a surprise, to be sure. He had the surgery on February the 8th. That'd be less than six weeks if he played on Thursday. And the last official team update was March 5th, and at that point, they said a two-week reevaluation, which would, which would be March 19th. That's Friday. So it would be, it's very rare, let's just say, for the Hawks to announce a reevaluation date and then have a guy return before that date even arrives. Now, Schlenk did say could. He did not say he was going to play on Thursday. But the fact that that's, that, 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 that's even on the table at this point in time is both surprising and encouraging. You would hope that they're being careful, and I assume they are because Hunter's a big part of their future. That'd be an awesome uh, boost for the Hawks if they can get him to play even a little bit start of the road trip and then I'm sure he'll go on the road regardless so that's a nice boost coming in the near future even if not Thursday uh, it sounds like Hunter will be back pretty soon um, Chris Dunn was also a topic from Tra- from Travis on 19 on the game and he said Dunn could be on the uh, on the floor by the end of the road trip which is basically what he said before about Dunn potentially returning by the end of March which is uh, during the road trip so that's a nice little sign it's less clear how much Dunn is going to play right away it'll be nice to have him but I'm not entirely sure how Nate Millen is going to is going to use his perimeter rotation between Rondo and having Herder and Bogdanovich healthy plus Trey. Of course, there aren't like a ton of minutes for Chris Dunn right now, so we'll see how much we'll see how, they, how much they use him. I'm sure they're going to want to get him out there at some point, but that's a question mark in my mind. And then the Hawks actually announced on Tuesday afternoon that Cam Reddish has been cleared to remove his walking boot. He's now going to start low-level rehab activities as he's returning from his right Achilles issue. He had the non-surgical procedure. Um, early on, it was actually in March, it was on March 8th. He's missed the last 10 games now. So, um, Sham Sarania actually reported on Monday, as I said, I think early on the podcast, maybe yesterday, um, the projected timeline, this is not from the Hawks. This is from Shams is four to six weeks. Um, four weeks from the procedure on March 8th would be April 5th. So we're still, you know, two and a half, three weeks from now on that one. And the Hawks announcement today said an update in two weeks, like, uh, like a reevaluation in two weeks. So, uh, I would expect Cam to be out at least two and a half, three more weeks. And uh, that's unfortunate, obviously, but you want to be careful with him. He's a long-term piece for the team. And they're, uh, at least right now, able to withhold, uh, sorry, hold the line without him. So 
uh, that sort of wraps all of that injury stuff up. Um, looking ahead briefly here, this will be the last, unless there's a trade, which there could be, we're getting close to trade season at this point in time, but barring a trade, this will be the last podcast till the next game. The Hawks play on Thursday after they travel home tomorrow on Wednesday to face the Thunder. The Thunder come into State Farm Arena on Thursday. The Thunder are overachieving this year, to be sure. Their record is better than their roster actually is, but that's a very winnable game. The Hawks will be favored. I think even without Capella, they'd be favored in that game as well. So another a bit of the favorable schedule. They can also lose, obviously. Uh, the Thunder have been uh, some giant killing this year. They've been able to do some of that, make some upsets, and they do have Shady Gilders Alexander, who's been awesome this year. So we'll see how that game unfolds, but the Hawks on paper right now today, barring injury that I don't really see coming, even if, even if Capella's out, the Hawks will be favored in that game. So we'll see if they're able to increase the winning streak to seven and get above 500 for the first time in a while. And then after that, the fabled eight-game road trip begins on Saturday against the Lakers. So we'll have more on that after the game on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, please stay tuned to the podcast. We'll be back after the game. And again, if there's anything breaking news, I'll pop in if I can. Also, March Madness begins on Friday, so I have to I have to do a lot of covering that. So my apologies for uh, maybe a little bit lack of Hawk stuff over the weekend, but I will be covering the game on Saturday as always. So uh, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the show. Check out our sponsors as well. And we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Thursday. <laughs>